0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rina and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is brought to you by GroCo Postnatal Rehab. Groco was founded in 2018 by chiropractor Dr. Ali Kane when she was 32 weeks pregnant with her first baby. She wanted to create a rehab program that supported women through the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of motherhood. The Groco methodology is aimed at preventing, reducing, and resolving symptoms women have been made to think are an inevitable consequence of childbirth. Classes stream 24-7, so you're able to do them whenever it works best for you. There's also a weekly live class with a GroCo doctor and also a monthly master class. The goals of GroCo are to be accessible to women, be supportive, but also provide them with a high-quality rehab program. Everything is focused on your core and your pelvic floor, which you guys know that I love. It's important to note that this is not your typical workout class. Groco classes are very focused on your pelvic floor and your core muscles that have been affected by carrying a child and by giving birth. Follow along at groco.rehab on Instagram, that's at growc to learn everything you need to know about your body after baby. She has so much valuable information on her Instagram account that you will not regret following. I know for myself I was totally fine postpartum until Milo was about 18 months and then I started to get really bad lower back pain and sometimes when I would sneeze or dance too hard I would leak and that was not cool so I went and saw Allie, I saw a pelvic floor physio and they put me on a program and I started doing the GroCo classes. And literally within a few days of doing the breath work that they teach you in GroCo, my lower back pain was totally gone. You will learn so much about your body and how to use those muscles in ways that you didn't know that you could. Check out the episode notes for more information. Your pelvic floor will thank you welcome to the tuesday episode if this even gets released on tuesday who knows because the website that hosts the podcast so that is where i upload everything and they send all the episodes out to the different platforms they emailed everyone it was just like a mass email that said their servers had been affected in some way and that the system was down so this morning it's weird because I don't often look at where the podcast is in the charts Um, but I did this morning and I was like what the hell it was in I think it was number 38 in the charts and I was devastated because I'm usually in the top 20 and I was like this makes no sense so then I went to go look at the analytics on the website and I couldn't even get into it. So clearly they are having issues and I don't know how long it's going to last. So I'm just going to record this right now and I will put it out as soon as they get their shit together, I guess. So frustrating because there's absolutely nothing I can do. So I just have to wait until it's fixed and then I will put this episode out. So hopefully that is tomorrow. but. It could be later in the week. I put out a poll this morning asking you guys what topic you wanted to hear about today. And I gave two options. One was random stories that have happened in my life, which would be entertaining. So I will probably do that at some point. And then the other option was talking about the variables in motherhood. Because, well, the way that that topic even came about, I posted something a few days ago, and it was a really popular post, and people seemed to really uh, connect with it, and so I thought I should do an episode about it. But what had happened was, is I was looking at Sarah Nicole of the Birds Papaya. I was looking at her stories and she had this one story where she was talking about how there's a variable in motherhood that people don't talk about or consider and that variable was the kid. So she was giving the example of, you know, some people have really difficult babies. Um, Who knows, like behaviorally, um, physical health wise, mental health wise, having a colicky baby, um, you know, a baby that's having a hard time breastfeeding, that's having a hard time sleeping, whatever it might be. Um, and so basically her point was we look at other moms or other families and what they're doing and their situation and their happy things that they post on social media and compare ourselves to their situation or you know people giving advice to other people without considering that variable which is the kid and so i agreed and i loved that she brought that up because i always think about these things that nobody considers and there are a ton of them if you look at advice or recommendations whatever it might be it's almost assuming that we all have the exact same situations, which is not the case, which is why I we have never really followed anything. Um, we really just do what feels right for us in that moment. And what feels right for us will change from day to day. And maybe that's not good with regard to being consistent, but that's just how we choose to parent. And it works for us because we're doing what feels right so why like I'm not going to regret anything I'm not you know gonna wish that I did something else because we're doing what we want to do and we're not worrying about being super strategic and having plans in place and making sure that we're following this exact schedule and doing this exact thing at this exact time that's too stressful and there's too much to think about and when something doesn't end up working out it's frustrating so my post said something along these lines it said we often compare ourselves to other mothers but we forget that other mothers don't have our child and then i went on to say that you know a baby a toddler a child a teenager can vary so much and have so many differences but we often don't consider or think about those things when we compare ourselves to another mother or when we judge, shame, or evaluate another mother. We assume that her child is just like ours, so why isn't she doing what we're doing and being successful at it? Um, Then I said, we love to evaluate what other mothers are doing and tell ourselves, or anyone within reach, or on comment sections on social media, what we would do in their situation. And I'm not immune to this either. Like, Uh, But I can catch myself if I see someone doing something or complaining about something. I'm like, oh, why don't you just do this? And it's like, well, because she's not me and her child is not my child. So there's a reason why she's doing what she's doing My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. So I said that leads me to the next variable that we don't often consider which is the mother and that may be what you would do in that exact situation in your home with your child but you are not her and you don't have her child. So then I went on to make a little list of other variables that we probably don't consider when we're just, you know, moving through life on a day-to-day basis, seeing what other moms are doing, whether it be on social media or in real life. And, you know, we jump to uh, either judging them, shaming them, or feeling shitty about ourselves because we're not doing what they're doing and we kind of put what they're doing on a pedestal like that is the right way and you should be doing that. Uh, But it's not the case. So my list of variables that I listed are as follows. A child's temperament. So I have not been around that many children, but I can tell you right now that I have friends who have babies that cried and were just more pissed off as babies than Milo. For sure. Some babies are super chill. Like Milo was really chill. He rarely cried during the day and you know he would have his phases where he would have a difficult evening or not go to bed. But during the day like he was a pretty happy camper and we didn't really have issues. And I know some people have babies that cry on and off all day and that can add so much stress to a day, So the point I want to make with regard to a child's temperament is sure, you know, at 3 p.m. in the afternoon when the baby does a certain thing, you might react in this way, but your child hasn't been crying all day and your level of stress is not where that mom who has a crying child's level of stress is. Something else that I often think about is how we react to our child crying. So, for example, I am very bothered and very triggered when Milo is crying. And it's different when it's a tantrum cry, like he's just pissed off because of, you know, whatever it is. I had to take away his toothbrush. That doesn't bother me. But when he's crying because he's in distress, whether it's like he wants us to go get him out of his crib or he's in the car seat and he's, you know, something's irritating him, that really affects me. And, you know, another mom might be unaffected by that or affected much less. So that mom may be better suited for sleep training or you know, ignoring the child and being able to drive without pulling over to get their book that they threw on the floor. Um, all these different little things. So for example, if I pull over and get Milo's water for him that he threw on the floor, someone else might look at that and be like, why would you do that? You're just teaching him that you know he can throw it on the floor and you're gonna pull over and get it for him. But okay, that's fine for you to say, but you're not as affected by the crying and the level of irritation that I am. So for me, it's worth it to pull over and have a pleasant rest of the ride home than it is to just let him whine and cry the whole way home and me being super stressed out and then getting home and being stressed out and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Something else I talked about, another variable was the child's physical health and obviously the mother's physical health. So what made me think of this is when we started supplementing Milo with formula, it was because I was terrified that he was going to have to spend a night in the hospital with jaundice. And I had just given birth, like the last thing I wanted to do was go back to the hospital and stay overnight with him in the little bed with the lights on him, uh, like that seemed awful to me. And it made me anxious, which in turn made us give him formula so that he could flush the jaundice out of his system, if that's even a thing. I don't know. I'm just like, my this was two and a half years ago, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Like the more liquids that they drink, you know, they flush it out of their system. So that's why we started. Another mom might have a different reason for supplementing with formula or skipping breastfeeding altogether. Maybe they are, you know, anxious about breastfeeding. Just just the simple act of breastfeeding makes them anxious and uncomfortable. Okay, that is them. That might not be you, but that is them. And I think it's easy for people to look at someone else and be like, oh, like, why aren't you doing this? Or you should do it this way. I did it this way with my child and we were fine. Or like, oh, I was having difficulties doing that too, but then we did this and it was great. Well, that's your story and that's your experience. That is not somebody else's story and experience. Also, everybody's priorities are different. Something that you care about and is at the top of your list for priorities could be at the bottom of someone else's list and it doesn't make them any better or any less than of a mother than you are. I talked about the child's temperament, but also the mother's temperament. We're not all super calm and zen people. Some people are very high strung. Some people get frustrated very easily. Some people get very irritated. I would be so much more frustrated and irritable if I was not taking Citalopram, which is an anxiety medication that I take every day because anxiety can present as being extremely irritable. Um, And for sure, if I was not taking that, it would be 10 times worse. But, you know, not everyone is on anxiety medication. So I can just see how someone who struggles with that and is not on medication for whatever reason doesn't want to be, would react differently in situations than I would. And that kind of ties into the mother's mental health as well. Postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, or just general anxiety, general depression, low mood, um, irritability. So I think it's really important to understand that not everyone experiences something the exact same way. For example, you could have two moms that are going through the exact same situation, but mom A is going to be super stressed out and frustrated by it. And mom B is maybe like calm and zen. Um, And then in a different situation, mom A would be calm and zen and mom B would be super stressed and frustrated because we're all different and we all react to things differently. But for some reason in motherhood, we're all supposed to be the exact same. There's no kind of leeway for people to be different, which is so odd to me. We don't expect people to be the exact same and have zero flaws uh, or be, you know, like superhumans outside of being a mom. Like I'm trying to think of an example and I can't think of an example but for some reason moms are supposed to be like we're supposed to react to things in the exact same way we're supposed to sleep train the exact same way we're supposed to care about things the exact same way and have the same list of priorities and it's just not the case so then people that deviate from this made-up ideal feel like they're not doing a good job which is crazy and again like that last statement I just played it back that is focused on the mother but now each mother that is completely different also has a child that is completely different from another mother's child so like do you understand how variable all these things are oh, mon dieu for non-french people I don't even know what mon dieu means Anyways, it means like, oh, goodness, or something like that. Um, So something else that we might not consider that is a variable is the mother's support system, which is huge. So what are the mother's responsibilities outside of the home? You know, that is going to have a huge effect on how they behave and what their priorities are and stresses that they have in their life. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com momroom and enter our code MOMROOM at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible Some people have a ton of supports and it's not to say that people that have a support system do not have struggles because like it doesn't matter who you are if you have a child there's struggles that come with that. And if you transition from being a not parent to being a parent there are struggles that come with that. Um, But it's just to be mindful that everyone has a different situation when it comes to outside supports, uh, whether that be like a partner at home, a family, extended family, friends. um, Yeah. And also things like support in the workplace. Some people probably have a very supportive workplace when it comes to being a mom and having motherhood um, duties, let's call it. But some people probably don't. And we should be mindful of that. Mother's education or values and beliefs. We all have different education. We've all taken different classes in uh, university or college or high school. We've had different teachers. We've read different books. We've read different blog articles. We've listened to different podcasts. So all these pieces of information that we've been gathering throughout our entire life is going to shape what we value and what we believe in and what our priorities are. For example, and I love to give this example because it just shows how I am biased, which is fine. I acknowledge that I'm biased because I have training in attachment. And when you go through that training, I think you are going to hear a child cry and be more so bothered by it or want to go pick up your child from their crib when they're crying, for example. And I'm not saying that that's the right way to do it, but that training has affected me in that way. And now I feel like I need to go get him and I want to go get him so that he's comforted and I am comforted as well. It's not just about comforting him. I am stressed out when he cries and he's in his crib. So I go and get him. Not saying this is the right thing to do, But it's the right thing to do for us. Someone else who does not have attachment training may have an easier time doing cry it out or doing different sleep training methods. And that's totally fine. Sometimes I wish I didn't have that training just so I could do uh, sleep training and be okay with it. I remember my friend's son was sleeping through the night at like four months old and they did sleep training. And I was like, oh my God, please, can I just do sleep training? But I didn't want to do it. Like I tried a couple times and I couldn't do it. And that's fine sucks for us because we had to get up with him till he was 11 months old and then we let him cry for a couple nights and then that worked it was hell on earth for me but that worked and I'm happy that we did it I don't regret doing it Milo's fine we're all well-adjusted people but For the longest time, I just could not let him cry and now I'm kind of back in that space again because he was sleeping so well for so long that now when he's upset and he doesn't want to go to bed, I feel bad because in my mind, I'm like, well, if he wanted to go to sleep, like he can go to sleep really well, then he would do it. So anyways, this is just me ranting about sleep problems, but you get my point. Something else I wrote about or listed as a variable is the mother's expectations. And after being in quarantine, I have realized how big expectations can affect your mood, your frustration level. Um, It's wild. When you expect something to happen and it doesn't, it's very frustrating. So, for example, what we're going through right now, I expect that Milo, well, not anymore, but I expected that Milo would go to bed without a peep at around 730 because that is what was happening for a long time. And then the one night where he doesn't and he's up whining and not going down and we try multiple times and he finally goes to bed at 930, that is. Is so frustrating. But when I think about it rationally, I'm like, okay, big whoop. It, like, he's not going to sleep. So just sit with him. Like, it's a couple hours. Like, big deal, Renee. But I had that expectation that he would go to sleep soundly. And I could come downstairs and have a glass of wine and watch 90 Day Fiance. And when that gets taken away from me, that expectation cannot be met anymore. It is so frustrating. So, you know, some mothers might not have as big of expectations when it comes to certain things. Same with child development stages. I think some people get so hung up on their child meeting certain developmental milestones, whether it be talking or walking or crawling or lifting their head up. And whereas other moms like me, for example, I was just kind of very like laissez-faire. Is that a thing? Um, I was very nonchalant about it. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I didn't have any babies really to compare Milo to like he had a couple friends and they were advanced but I was like oh they're just advanced so I wasn't super hung up on it but another mom maybe she you know read some blog post about certain developmental milestones and what it means if they're not reaching them and when they should be reaching them and it really affected her so she had these expectations of her child meeting these different milestones so she's going to be more affected By that, than I was for whatever reason. And that's okay. We're all different. So, the biggest takeaway from that post, and something that I've talked about before, which is the ego versus empathy when it comes to, you know, looking at what another mom is doing or when you're interacting with another mom or just scrolling social media and seeing what other people are doing, is to, you know, enter that space with empathy. As opposed to your ego and being like, well, this is my situation. This is how I feel in that situation. So, why aren't you feeling the same thing and doing the same thing as me? And when you approach it with empathy, it's more so like, oh, maybe she's having a hard day. Maybe she doesn't care so much about, um, you know, baby led weaning. Maybe, you know, it's more so like thinking about the person's experience and their situation as opposed to your own and judging them based on your own experience and your own situation. But for some reason, it's so common, especially among moms, to approach everything with their ego and evaluate everything, like instant evaluation instead of trying to understand someone else's situation and acknowledging that maybe they don't fucking care about the things that you care about. And maybe if you were in their situation with their child and their temperament and their mental health and their, you know, so on and so on and so on, you would do the exact same thing. I feel like every Tuesday episode that I record gets a little bit more ranty and ranty, which is fine with me because it just means that I have a lot to talk about. So that's good but maybe I should start listening to the episodes back to see if they actually make sense because who has the time to listen back to an episode, right? Am I right? Am I right? I like Tuesday's episodes to be about 20 minutes and I'm over 20 minutes now. So I will leave it at that. If you want to let me know about other variables that I may have missed, go to that post. It's a picture of me with a newborn Milo and my husband sitting on a couch. Uh, Maybe I'll put it in the stories again after I publish this and comment on variables that you think are important that people are not considering uh, when it comes to being a mom. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go rate and review the podcast. It would mean so much to me, especially now that the freaking website is down and my podcast has fallen in the charts like woe is me. Please know that we also have a Facebook community called the Mom Room Community, which is amazing. We just hit a thousand members and people's posts and comments and advice and just all around support has been really nice to see. So if you're looking for a mom group on Facebook that is not like your typical mom group, Definitely join. Make sure you answer the questions to be let in because Kathy checks all the questions and she checks people's answers to make sure people are not robots. That is it for me. I'm going to eat chips now and watch TV until I have to go pick up Milo because I have had a full freaking day. Thank you so much. And I hope your children sleep tonight at a reasonable hour and don't have to come downstairs and watch Below Deck or 90 Day Fiance with you. The let's